Welcome to the Real Life Church podcast channel. My name is Michael Bame. I am the pastor here, and Real Life Church is all about connecting Jesus to real lives. Uh, you can find out more about us at reallifecov.com. Uh, well, we're outside. I love this service. This is one of my favorite services. It's right up there with Christmas and Easter uh, to get out here and get around a bunch of people and some faces that I haven't seen for a very long time. Even if you've seen my face uh, through the video screen, I haven't seen your face, so it's really good to see you here. And uh, there's a variety of people that are here that maybe just checking out real life for the first time or checking out church, period, um, or you have been with us for a very long time and we just get to reconnect. And I just want to share with you uh, what Real Life Church is all about. Real Life Church is all about connecting Jesus with real lives. We do that because we felt like there was some disconnect that was happening between the things that churches do, like baptism, like we're going to do here at the end of the service today, or marrying and burying people, right? Uh, or just Sunday service. There was a disconnect from that to everyday lives. And I think it's because some of the words that we use aren't really that familiar. It's words that we don't use on a regular basis in our real life. So how can we take some of these words that we might use in church and use them more effectively to connect with Jesus in our everyday life? I want to give you one word that is a churchy word that um, we probably have an idea uh, of what that means, okay? The word is salvation, Right? The word is salvation, and when I say the word salvation and you're sitting in a church context, you're probably thinking, oh yeah, the thing that gets me out of the bad place when I die. Right? The thing that gets me out of the bad place when I die gets me to the, to the good place. That's what I want. What do I need to do for that? Tell me what I got to say. Tell me what I got to do. That's the type of thing, right? Although we don't go around talking about salvation a whole lot, do we? I wish we did on a more regular basis. I would love for my kids to abuse the word salvation and use it in contexts that aren't appropriate, like the way they use the word literally. They literally use the word literally, literally all the time, and literally it's always wrong, right? They never use it in the right way. I, you know, but we don't look at it that way. So can we get a different image of what salvation is all about? Is it just about this place that getting us out of the bad place when we die? Or is there something for us right here, right now that we could experience? And if we change the way that we say the word, it, it might help us. What if we talked about it as a rescue, right? Needing to be rescued. There's something that you need to be saved from. There's something you need to be saved for. And I think about this like if you were in a burning building, and you're pinned down, you would realize deep down inside, I can't get myself out of this. I better call for help, right? I need to be rescued. And it's that idea that's much more the biblical context when we use this word salvation. You need someone to save you from something and save you for something. And that's really my, my question today. What, what are we saved from? Like, we're not in a burning building, right? What are we saved from, and what are we actually saved for? What would our li what's our life supposed to be like that we are actually saved for? So what are we saved from, and what are we saved for? And to answer this question, we need to back up and look at the beginning story of the Bible because it lays it out for us. 
When we read the first stories of the Bible, the first book of the Bible is Genesis. And it starts talking about how there's this God out there that takes a chaotic world, something that doesn't have life in it, and he orders it in such a way that it brings life. And this God steps back and says, man, that's good. He's, this God, in his own eyes, is seeing something that is good and continues to organize this world and fills this world with life and abundance and creates these human beings, people like you and people, people like me. He creates them to not just be in this world, but to partner with this God in this created order, in the way in which he wants to rule and reign over all things. It's God's kingdom. And we're not just subjects in it. We actually get to rule with God. We get to actually be like God. And God creates a place for us to be. One has got so many fruit trees that the fruit's just dropping off the trees. There's flowing rivers. There's great abundance that we get to be a part of. That God takes this human being and puts his spirit in this human being, and it becomes a living being. There's new life in this creation, right? To then bring out God's kingdom, this abundant life, and spread it all over the place. Doesn't that sound good? That's a, that's a beginning part of the Bible. Like, that's great. So what happened, right? Was there a pandemic that hit that screwed up God's created world, right? Was there something that, that came into this world that disrupted all of this? Because that's not necessarily the world that I've experienced, Right? I mean, this is a beautiful park, but it's nothing like being that God's kingdom and ruling and reigning with him to be like him. Right? Well, we learn early on in this story that there is, there's a sinister creature that comes up right, and invades God's good created world. Right? If you remember this from your Bible Sunday school classes and Bible school classes, what, what is that thing? Right? It's a serpent that talks. Well, that's weird, right? That's strange. There's a talking serpent. You and I know that there's no animals that talk like this. This isn't Doolittle, right? This, this is, there's, there's something weird about this. So we go like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Because he engages with these human beings to do something, to trick them, to get them to think for themselves that, you know what? You don't need God in all of this that you can create a world all of your own and you can rule and reign that without God. You don't need to trust God. Why do you think this God is so good? Do you know what? This God is actually holding out on you. Now, I know a talking serpent is weird. Right? Look, can we just admit that the talking serpent's a weird thing? But So Jesus actually reflected on this serpent, reflected on this whole story that I just laid out for you. Jesus Laid, looked at this and meditated on it and came up with a different name for this serpent, a different title for this thing that has come in and is sinister to God's plan. He called it a thief. In John chapter 10, verse 10, that's what Jesus says. He says, the thief has a sinister purpose, and that purpose is to come in and to steal and to kill and destroy. That serpent in the garden was a thief. He wanted to take away this life that God had offered to these human beings. He wanted to destroy, and he not just destroy human, human beings and he, God's good world, 
He wanted to get the human beings to destroy one another. Does that at all sound familiar to you? If he can get them and convince them that the best thing to do is to cause war against one another and destroy each other, then it brings chaos into God's world. He wants to destroy this partnership with God. He wants to destroy and divide people from this God and say, you can't trust him. In fact, this God doesn't exist. You could be greater than this God. You could be God all by your own means. That's the way that Jesus looked at this serpent. Is, a, is not just a thief, but a spe specific kind of thief. I call it a con artist. Right? This thief is a con artist. The con artist wants to get your trust, get you to think that you can trust them, twist things just enough so they can take from you without you knowing it. And they do it before you know it, and it's too late. They take something from you before you even know it. And let's be honest. If we can just be honest with ourselves, we've engaged with that. We've been duped by the con artist, right? We've been, we've been participating in this, this life that this thief has convinced us is good when really it doesn't turn out good. We have moments in our lives where we decide that we can see what's good for ourselves. We're going to interpret what is good. And it's not just good. It seems good. It seems good in our own lives, and it seems good at the time. Think about some times in your life where you've reflected on a decision you made or you were participating in a group in some way, and you look back and you're like, man, I regret doing that. It seemed good at the time, but I wish I never did that. And some of us have experienced that type of life. We've engaged with that type of life, or we've, we've had it land on us, right? It's been a hell that was created right here in this world, in our own life, and we've felt, we've felt the pain of it. We say some things like this. It seemed good at the time to drive home drunk. I got it. I'm not that drunk that I can't make it home, right? I can handle it. I can do it. It seemed good at the time to have the one night stand. What's the worst that could happen? I'm just going to engage with it right here and now. It seemed good at the time to talk behind my friend's back. Surely it won't get around back to them, will it? It seemed good at the time. And that's the, that's the whole deception right there, isn't it? That's the con artist at work, getting you to think that you got the control, that you can trust this con art artist, that you are greater than you are. It's like being stuck in a burning building and convinced that you're completely fine, that you won't get burned up. It's like being out in the ocean in the middle of nowhere, and surrounded by sharks and going like, it'll be okay, I will save myself, right? Do you see that the rescue plan needs to be enacted because we need to be saved from something that we can't even see that we've been duped by. We can't even see in our own life about how we have been tricked and we've been deceived by this con artist and it's destroying our lives. But he's got us convinced that we're just fine, that we're good, that we're fine. Now, Jesus doesn't leave it there, right? Jesus is unique. Jesus is unique in that he's this perfect partnership between God and human, humanity. 
that it's God coming to be like us, to do something for us that we can't do for ourselves. It's God's rescue plan. It's a way that God is going to save us from this deception. And Jesus, what Jesus does is he exposes the thief, the serpent, the con artist for who he really is. That we can be able to see it through Jesus' eyes, that we no longer have to be duped. This is what Jesus says about himself. John 10, verse 10, I'm going to read the whole thing, right? This, this thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus exposes this thief or who he is. But Jesus says that he came, that human beings could have life and have it abundantly. That's the Genesis 1 and 2 type of scenario, right? That's what that is, that they could have this life that's so abundant and filled with connection with God, right the way it was from the very beginning, that there's, there's this togetherness, there's this trust between human beings and God. And Jesus exposes the thief for who he really is, this con artist, by allowing the con artist to work in human beings to deceive them and con them to think that the right thing to do is to kill God's son. And when Jesus is hanging on the cross there, it's actually exposing the con artist, the thief, this serpent, for who he really is. It brings shame upon what he's up to. That it's not just these human beings that he is, that he is exposing, it's this very serpent. But that, there's a life that Jesus wants to give. This life, this good life, this abundant life that we get to participate in right here now that overflows into the next life. So is it wrong that salvation is about not getting to the bad place when we die and getting to the good place? No, it's not wrong. There's just a more full story. Because what about right here and right now? The way in which I need to engage with God's good good life, abundant life that he wants to give to us. So Jesus has a way for people to engage in that, right? If he's exposed, exposed the thief for who he really is, he says this in Mark chapter 1, that Jesus went into Galilee where he preached God's good news. There's some good news, right? There's some good news for you and some good news for me. What is that good news? Would you like to know? Great, because he says it in the very next verse, very next sentence. He says, the time promised by God has come at last. There's something that God has known has been going on, but he has promised the time to bring people back to him, fulfill a promise that he's made. Well, what's the promise? The kingdom of God has arrived. It's at hand. You can experience it. The, the blinders have been taken off, that this world is not just ruled by this serpent, this con artist that wants to deceive you, but instead God that wants to bring you life. And Jesus says, well, repent. Turn from seeing things that are good in your own eyes, doing things your own way. Sometimes it works out okay. Sometimes it doesn't. But turn from that and trust God's good news, which is what? What's God's good news? The kingdom of God is right here. It's present. That you can participate in it. You can come back into it. No matter what. No matter how far you've been deceived and conned, that you can have the blinders taken off. 
and that you can be a part of it if you would just turn from things at your own way and turn and see God's good world through his way. So what, that's what you're saved from, right? You're saved from this con artist. You're saved from this thief that wants to steal and kill and destroy your life. You're saved from this serpent that wants to create hell right here on earth that will carry into the next life. He wants to save you from that, but what are you saved for? What are you saved for? What kind of life do you enter into? Well, it's God's kingdom. It's God's very presence. It's God's garden that he has created for us that we get to take and then spread all over the place by connecting with God and trusting God. You're saved for a life of God's peace and God's joy. You are saved for a life of God's loyal love and his strength, not just your own strength. You are saved for a life of God's faithfulness to his promise. And you are saved for a life of God's generosity and goodness. That's the thing that we get to be a part of, that we get to spread all out to everywhere in the world, spread it all over the place. That's what we were supposed to do in the very beginning, and God did not give up on that. You no longer have to be deceived. You no longer have to be duped or tricked. Let's call out. Call out that serpent, that thief, that con artist for what he truly is. Now, there's an apostle, right? One of these great leaders in the church named Paul, that at first he didn't, he didn't trust Jesus' message. In fact, he tried to stop Jesus' message. He tried to do that by killing people that were following Jesus and people that are entering into that kingdom that Jesus talked about, that if they would repent and turn and trust God's good news. And he gives them a way that now he says, I was wrong. The blinders have been taken off. I, I was being deceived. And now I know what this is all about. And he puts Jesus' words about repenting, turning from, their own way of doing things to trusting the good news that the kingdom of God is right here. He puts it in his own words when he writes in, to a church in Rome, and he says this, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved, you will be rescued. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. Now, this is a big deal. This is a bigger deal than we think of, and if you understand the context of Rome, who is the Lord of Rome? Who's the king of Rome? Caesar, right? The emperor. It's not Jesus. And if you say that Jesus is actually the Lord, actually the king when you're in Rome, you could be killed. And many people were killed because of it. It was a sentence of death, but that exposes that the thief is at work, that this con artist is duping people. And so to say that you say that Jesus is Lord, it's a big deal. You can lose your life for it. But what about this believing in your heart, right? This trusting that God raised Jesus from the dead. Just, let's just think about this for a second. You're saying that you trust that God, after three days of this person being dead, raised them back up. Now, that defies all of our medical books, textbooks, doesn't it? Right? I mean, sure, maybe somebody wakes up from a coma. 
Sure, maybe somebody's been revived with CPR. Sure, maybe somebody has actually been dead for a while, but not for three days and then come back to life again. That's a big thing to trust. It's a big thing to trust in your life and what that means. You, you could be ridiculed for that, and people were. You could lo lose your livelihood for that, and people did. But it exposes that the thief is at work. The con artist is doing the deceptive thing for all of us, wanting to steal and kill and destroy. Now, my own experience with this, my own rephrasing of this, has to do with that. It had to do with something in my heart that needed to happen that then I said out loud, like I couldn't even contain it. It just popped out, and I didn't even mean to. Um, it was in high school, after having a period of time going through church in my younger life, Right? I've been part of a Catholic church, part of a Baptist church, part of a Lutheran church, and it was, it was good, it was fine, but it wasn't until I was in my late years of high school that I decided to buy a Bible and actually read the story for myself. And I started reading in Genesis because that's where it starts, and I, several months later, I got to the Gospel of Matthew. And in the Gospel of Matthew, I can't even tell you where, but I was reading it, and all of a sudden, I just realized, this is true, and I wanted to be part of it. And it just popped out of my mouth, right? laying on my bed all by myself. I just said, this is true. I want to be part of it. I'm saying Jesus is Lord, and I trust that God raised him from the dead. I, I, I'm turning from a life of doing things my own way. I, I, the blinders have been moved, and, and I'm coming into trusting that God, in God's good news, that God's kingdom is here. And I want to be a part of that. And I share, you, share this with you, not because it's a great story, obviously, but I share this with you because the, it's not like there's a right and wrong way to enter into God's kingdom, right? It's, it's through Jesus and God's very spirit. In fact, at the end of uh, the, the Gospel of John, Right? Remember in Genesis, what did God do to this human being? He breathed into it. God's spirit entered in and becomes a new creation. Do you know what Jesus did to his disciples at the end of the Gospel of John after he was risen from the dead? He breathed on them and they received God's spirit. They became new living beings. That's what happens when you see the truth deep down in your heart and you start talking about it. You start, you start exposing the thief, the carn artist, the serpent for who he really is. And you can say, I'm not going to be a part of that anymore. I'm going to trust this truth. I'm going to trust what God did through Jesus to be the very thing that saves me. I need to be rescued. And I want to be rescued. So here's, here's what I have for you, okay? And, and whether you have done this in your life where, you know, you spent your whole life in church, um, maybe you've never actually had that moment where you're like, you know what? I'm going to trust that this is true, and I want to be a part of God's kingdom. I, I'm, I just need to know that someone other than me is in charge, and I'm going to trust that God's going to lead me through that. I, I'm going to turn from my own way of doing things, and I'm going to trust this God's that, that God's kingdom is actually here, and I want to experience it right here, right now, in this life, spread it all over the place, and then it, let it overflow into 
my life after death. Now, I don't know how you want to go about saying that, what you need to do inside your heart, but I'm just going to guide you through a way, and it's Paul's way of doing it. And so if this is a time where you're like needing to re-say this, to remind yourself that life that you're wanting to live, then I give this to you. If they've never done this, even though you spent your life in church, that this could be a time for you to start exposing the thief and the con artist for he really is. I, I give you these things to, to, to pray and to say. I'm going to start with your, your heart thing, that it needs to be something in your heart. There's a prayer I'm going to give. I'm going to say it two times, and you can pray inside your heart, all, all on your own. And then we're going to say out loud, for all of those that want to say it, we're going to just say that Jesus is Lord. We're going to, we're going to verbalize. We're just going to let it pop right out of our mouth. Okay? So I'm going, to, I'm going to pray it, and then we'll say it. Here's the prayer. God, I believe you raised Jesus from the dead. This is a big deal, guys. It's a huge change in what's going on in your life. It's a new life you get to enter, so I'm going to pray it again. God, I believe you raised Jesus from the dead. Now, if you prayed it, I'm going to give you the words to say it. All right, just let it pop right out of your mouth. We're just going to say, Jesus, you are Lord. So here you go. All those that prayed it, now you can say it. Jesus, you are Lord. Amen. Guys, now here's the deal. Uh, here's the deal. As we have entered into this new kingdom, you get to spread it all over the place, right? It doesn't matter how badly deceived you were at some point in your life. You get to not only believe it, but continue to believe it. That's the way Paul writes about it when he tells the Colossian church about their faith to continue to believe it. He says, now God has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body as a result he has brought you into his own presence, his very own kingdom. And you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fall. I'm going to read that again because some of you need to hear it, right? You are holy. You're set apart. You are blameless. You're blameless, okay? You stand before God the Father without a single fault. All the deception's gone away. You're brand new. And here's where Paul continues on. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it, that you are holy, that you are blameless, and you stand before God without a single fault. You've entered into God's kingdom. Continue to believe it and stand firm in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world, all over the place. You get to be a part of that. Continue to believe. Wherever you're at, whatever happens, you're going to face temptations in your life. You're going to face times where you're going to get duped again, but you can go like, oh, I know that that's just the thief. I know that's the con artist, and he got me. But that's not who I really am. I am new. I'm part of God's kingdom. I'm going to choose to continue to believe that. It's what your very life is built on. The foundation of this life that you could experience is this truth that you are part of God's kingdom right here and right now. And you get to spread that abundant life all over the place because you're holy and you are blameless and you stand without a single fault. Take that and own it. 
Let it be yours. Hey there, hope you enjoyed the sermon today. We love connecting Jesus' life with other people's lives and hope we were able to do that with you today. If you'd like to know more about us here at Real Life Church, please check us out at reallifecov.com. Thanks for listening.